When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Son, I think we're very good-looking people, do you? I completely agree. And the listeners don't understand how good-looking we actually are. We're phenomenal-looking, but you only can see us if you watch YouTube. You can watch this entire podcast with your own eyes and see these supple bodies Uh -uh. at YouTube.com. Just search for Sex Talk with my mom. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Or take a certain type of weed that's really good for sex. (laughs) I would love that as well. (laughs) There's a lot of good weed out there. It's uncomfortable to talk about sex, but sometimes it's important to get uncomfortable. Sex Talk with My Mom is the best mom-son podcast about sex. It's the only one as well. My mother is a cougar. My son is a clown. In a nutshell, my dad died. So my mother decided to create a YouTube channel all about sex, like all mothers do. And then my son decides to use my material in his stand-up comedy routines. And thus, Sex Talk with My Mom was born. Welcome to Sex Talk with My Mom. I'm Cam Poder. And I'm Karen Lee Poder. We are delighted to talk about sex on a weekly basis for your... Your edutainment. Edutainment is a new one even for you. Yes, education and entertainment. I like that, edutainment. Today's going to be a great show. Today we have a phenomenal show. Once in a blue moon, we have a guest on the show. Because, you know, we we can't resist. I couldn't resist this one. You found this wonderful guest. Well, I went went with your sister to um, a panel on uh, Queer Eye. The show. Which is up for like how many, five, six Emmys? I don't even know. Anyway, um... I was taken aback by the episode they showed. And then the panel came out, and it was basically Angel's story, Angel Flores. Angel Flores, who is a queer eye hero, a a trans activist, a powerlifting champion, and an Olympic weightlifting coach. It just seems so like... Uh, like unbelievable you know the amount of accomplishments yes and and you're you know what are you 23 how old are you uh yeah i'm 23 and so for our sneaky freaks we have angel on the show today so welcome angel hi hello we're delighted to have you the reason that we got her on the show is because i got so moved when i heard the story that I literally like stalked her into the parking lot. I could only imagine what happened. I bull- I was with your sister and I'm like, I, I just have to go talk to Angel. And she's like, what are you doing now, mom? Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And I'm like beelined out the door. Literally, she's trying to get in, the, in her car and I'm like, wait. I have never seen so much intense. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. Dude, so do you get this a lot? Are you a celebrity now that people recognize you on the street? Oh, I don't call me a celebrity. <laughs> yes, I get recognized on the street um, like all the time. Oh, I damn. Have, everybody comes up to me. Um, I can't go get groceries anymore. Get the fuck out. <laughs> so, that's amazing. You've made it when you can't get groceries. That's that's oh. awesome. I wish I couldn't get groceries. I, I get groceries, no problem. I mean, you, your episode was so moving. I, we watched it together. We were both, uh, well, we're both basket cases. And, yeah, well, I got very emotional twice. I've seen it in like two weeks. And I was like, you know what? I just have to talk to her because what your message was so clear. 
And the and you guys have to all. What is the message, man? This message of you know be yourself and until you're comfortable. Is that is, she's nodding? Yeah, <laughs> I'll let yeah, her tell. Her, I'll let her tell her message. But I just I I'm sorry if I was too intense. I I tend to be the <laughs> nickname called the bulldog. <laughs> uh, the bulldog comes from a reason. Anyway, but when I thought, well, our shows just seem to fit together. Like you know, the the messages that we always espouse is to be yourself, be confident, and to communicate with each other. And I thought what I saw between you and your father in particular was just incredible. And I figured, well, if she says no, that's the worst that can happen. I do the five, four, three, two, one. If she says no, I just, I won't know what I missed. But if she says yes, well, here we are. And here we are. It, what, <laughs> what, have, what have you found your message to be after going through the, the Queer Eye process and well, why you don't know. we, before you get to that, well, can you want to explain what happened with the Queer Eye? And then maybe we'll understand what happened because there's so Ooh. much stuff going on here. It's, it's a lot of stuff. So um, I was just a, a wee normal trans girl. Um, I was about like <laughs> a year, a year into transition. I was 20. I had just turned 22. And we were actually going through a tumultuous time with our like living situation. Um, we found like a leak in our old apartment. It was really, really bad. And so we were kind of in between places, kind of homeless, kind of not. So when, um, when, when you say we, are you talking about you and your partner? Are you talking to your family? Yeah. Okay. Uh, me and my partner. So we were just kind of in this really, like, we don't know what's going to happen. So then in the middle of that entire process, I get a call from the owner of the gym that I train at, Liberation Barbell Club. Um, she's a close friend of mine. And she essentially was like, hey, uh, you might get a call from a Netflix producer in about an hour. <laughs> and I, I was like, excuse me? What do you, you can't just, t no, didn't even say hi. Didn't even say like, it was just like, oh, you're going to get a call. And I was like, I excuse me? Um, and essentially she teamed up with several other people from the gym to nominate me, put my story out there because they had seen that through my training and through my coaching, I was just working my hardest to not only help as many people as possible, but really just to, be myself in a space that does not really want me to be myself, right? Well, tell us about um, the gym itself. The gym is just not like a gym that I would go to. <laughs> it's a lot of well, it's heavy, a, very lot. traditional gym. Yeah, there's messages. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's it's very much a strength focused gym and strength uh, within the LGBTQ plus community. Um, it's it's been called a queer gym. It's been called an all inclusive gym. I just say it's it's a home, right? Um, it's a home where anybody uh, can be there. Anybody can train. Anybody can find community and truly we built it to a place where it's 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 amazing and um there's so many unique individuals that show up is it like an anomaly within the country is it you know known i wouldn't say with like anomaly within the country but i would say that it's anomaly w within our industry um where we find that a lot of space like i know that there's plenty of gyms in the in the u.s that i would not be able to walk into hmm. um or at least i would be very much um, escorted out or asked to leave or people would not feel comfortable with me being there. Um, and that's not just within like corporate commercial gyms. That's within like the local private gyms throughout the U.S. So which is such a tragedy. Cam and I both have never experienced that. So, I mean, just just hearing this is so upsetting to me, but it makes yeah, it's sense. Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's a widespread problem where people just don't. I don't know whether it's it's ignorance or fear or something where people just don't feel comfortable with trans people being in their space and just working out and living their lives like everybody else does. Um, so to have a space that's made not necessarily for us, but for everybody, right? Where I have so many queer and trans friends who come to that space and feel completely comfortable to be who they are, um, who they, they need to be, right? Um, 
Um, and I know that I wouldn't be where I am right now without that safe space to, to be me. Right. It's awesome. So, so you got this call and they, they said, Hey, come on the show or we're coming to you. So essentially it was like a, a multi-stage interview process where they're like half interviewing you, half dating you. Um, <laughs> I had to do a phone interview and then a Skype interview and then meet two producers for food. Um, wow. and it was funny, Wait, had, have you I, ever watched the show before this? I like, I was one of those kids that grew up watching, like I like 2014 first season came out and yeah. I was watching Queer Eye. Like, oh, that'd be so funny if I was on Queer Eye one day. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so like I knew everything that was happening basically as it happened and yeah, so I met these producers for, for lunch and I'm sitting there telling my story, talking about like what it's like being me, what I've faced in the industry, what's what's up with my parents, what's up with my family, what's up with my friends. And I'm just enjoying my food and I look up and they're both just crying. Oh and I was God. like, Oh, this is a this is an important like this is a deep heartfelt story that I didn't realize is a deep heartfelt story. <laughs> you just yeah. what, what were you, before this point, because we're, we're no one's seen the the show or anything, what was it like for you growing up? So I essentially spent twenty years with feeling like something was wrong and could never place what exactly it was. Right. So throughout, I mean, I was in middle school, like dealing with sexuality before I even had the language to deal with sexuality. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was just convinced that there was something different with me. I didn't fit in anywhere. I didn't relate to people. I didn't feel like I was doing the right things like physically, like I, I physically did not feel like I was me. Right. So moving into high school, it turned into full depression. I was struggling throughout the entirety of it. And did you I speak found, to anybody? Did you talk to your parents about it or any, any friends? I tried. So I was convinced I was gay for like years. Never went on a date with a boy. Never did anything with a boy. Like, like just when 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 like went about my life assuming I was gay, but never acting on it. Um, never wanting to. Never needing to. And never had the language to really sit there and say like, oh. I'm trans, you know, like I'm actually a woman. So it wasn't until I was well into college that I uh, sat with a counselor and said, like, um, I'm having these feelings. I'm mm. like, I when I when I say certain things, when I do certain things, it feels good. I feel euphoria. And when I say I do certain things, there's dysphoria, there's anxiety, that there's depression related to how I present, how I move about the world. And these are all things that young me just couldn't understand, right? I young me couldn't sit within his family and say, I need to wear something else today, right? It was just never a thought in our minds. You're, and you were also doing something very traditionally masculine. You're playing a lot of sports. You, in, yeah. in Queer Eye, you talk about how you were an excellent football player. And like, Yeah, yeah. So these are things that, this seems like an environment where it would be even harder to identify that part of yourself. Oh, absolutely. And I'm surrounded by boys all day long, right? I have my like my set of my set of guy friends who I still see all the time and I or message all the time and, and keep in contact with. I was surrounded by football guys. I was surrounded by my my dad and the family that he would bring bring along, which is very much he's small, Latino, um, very, very traditional. So I truly was just never in a spot where I could sit and think, right? Mm-hmm. It was always just kind of like the only word I heard I knew back then was, oh, you're gay. And that's that's all I knew. Did your parent, um, your parents, did they ever say, "Are you gay"? Did... I came out to my mom as bisexual when I was eleven. How, how did she respond? She didn't know how. <laughs> she was just kind of like, "Okay, 
um, we're going to figure this out as we go. And really, it, it was my entire teenage years of her just kind of coming back and asking, like, hey, like, how are we feeling? Checking in. Oh, wow. um, but even she just didn't have the, the space and the language to really ask what needed to be asked. You know, we had only had one singular conversation prior to me realizing for myself about a transgender person in general. Hmm. Um, and that's 20 years worth of life that we just did not talk mm-hmm. um, about that certain thing. But it's also such a it's actually even in my lifetime, it's a new it's a new concept. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine um, went through the same thing with their daughter and she wasn't gay, but she she knew something wasn't right, and she considered herself at that point a fifth gender. That's what you call yeah. this because that term non-binary wasn't even around then. Yeah, like the, the the language that's used now is so incredibly new, and I feel very privileged to even have the language to say what's wrong with me, right? Or not what's wrong with me, what's different about me? Because so many people before me just could never place that. So I read somewhere that you listened to a podcast where one of the hosts came out as trans and you that might have helped you realize what you were going through. Is that right? Oh, it was it was the moment. That, wow. that was the crack of the egg. That was like, I'm sitting there in the car driving to San Antonio from Austin, about an hour drive. So I'm like, okay, I have an hour long podcast. And like within five minutes, she's talking about her experience as a child and then her experience as a teenager. And I'm like, she doesn't fit in. She relates more to girls. She wants to be around girls more like and more often, but it was never about romance. It was always just about community. And so to sit there and not feel like I was relating to that person, but feel like they were relating to me. That was a whole new experience. That was just a whole new, like, wow, that's, that's my experience. That's Mm. what I'm feeling. And then to immediately text my best friend and my partner, um, who I just started seeing at the time, I don't know why I did this, but I texted them immediately (laughs) and was like, this might be a thing. And just the feeling of calm that came over me, right. Of that felt right. Saying that I'm trans, that felt like it needed to be said. Like it was, it was just a snap of a finger. And then for the next year, I just could not stop thinking about it. Like, it was just like always in the back of my head. I'm doing small things. Like, for example, in Olympic weightlifting, when I was competing with the UT team. Like everyone um, does. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like everyone does. I, it's a big culture in weightlifting for everybody to wear like leggings and spandex because you don't want clothing getting in the way of the barbell. So, you know, I was like prancing around in my, in my men's leggings (laughs) Um, like, like, you know, showing it off and being really happy. And it's those tiny moments over the course of that year that gave me the evidence I needed, right. Mm -hmm. Of like, these are, this is something I need to follow through with. That's awesome. You know what, one of the, the moments in Queer Eye that I, that really moved me was when they were actually interviewing uh, your partner and they were, they kind of asked her about her experience as you were going through this transition and she goes on to, to talk about how much, you know, it was just the love for you that she didn't care what, how, how you identified and it, it, that wasn't going to be a make or break of, for the relationship. I, I mean, were you, were you scared about that potentially coming between you two? See, I don't think there was fear initially, maybe a little bit of anxiety, like how is she going to respond? But I feel like something within me kind of knew that, you know what, whether or not, she is okay with this i'm gonna be okay mm. right and she came back immediately and was like we'll talk about it let's talk about it and she's the one that actually threw me my sports my first sports bra she's oh. the one that like first pushed me to do certain things and then 
through quarantine, when I started really looking into transition and then transitioning through it, I was given the space to do so by her, mm. right? She gave me the opportunity to talk through what I was feeling and really experiment with what I needed. Mm. You're such an inspiration. I, I can't imagine like anyone listening to our show right now, especially that is in that conflictual stage and not knowing what, why they don't feel comfortable in their own body to hear what you have to say and, and have this aha moment the way you did, which is what, what, what could you ask for more than that? You're like, oh, you're like they're a, a role model. Do you feel <laughs> like they, there's a responsibility on you as a, as a, you know, weightlifter? Oh, plus? Most definitely. There's like the, the responsibility of, being a role model, being like somebody to look up to, it's definitely, it's pressure, but it's pressure that I welcome, right? Mm -hmm. Because I know that there's, I've met so many wonderful little trans kids at rallies who come up and they're just like, so overjoyed to not only meet me, but to introduce themselves to me, oh. right? It's not, it's not, it's not about me and their heroes. It's like, oh, you're angel. This is who I am. These are my pronouns. This is what I do. Oh. And it's, amazing and to see the, the smiles on their faces when they're when they're just like talking about their lives it's 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 absolutely ecstatic and it only pushes me more right and I, I said it was pressure but that's the pressure that I want right it's the pressure of you're doing good things you're helping people and you're so going. young too to know this <laughs> you're all you're also in a position being in powerlifting yeah I mean this is this has been in the news this is like such a hot button issue that people are like it's stupidly controversial and so how has it been for you being in that environment and being a vocal advocate of for you know trans people it's really just about education and teaching right because there's so many people that just have not they don't have the experience that I've had right like I've stood in front of people and said oh my hands shrink my feet have shrunk. I've lost height. My very second day of hormones, I couldn't lift what I was lifting two days ago. Wow. Um, so this is all because you're I, taking you're taking female hormones. Yes, this is all because I'm taking a testosterone blocker and estrogen. And then later on, now now I'm on an implant, which keeps everything down by itself. So I, I I, I'm at the those. point now. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool, actually. They, it's literally just like a regular hormone implant. But because my body has been geared towards hormones by now, my body naturally keeps my testosterone down. So it literally only uses the hormones that it needs. And I'm at a, a, a point in my transition and in my life where I'm equal to a girl next to me, right? Like we have the same hormone profile. If not, I, I have less testosterone than mm. most women now, um, which, which is a huge thing. Yeah, that's really interesting. What, what would you say to a young girl or boy who is feeling like they don't belong in their own skin? What, what would you say to them? Do you have a certain mantra or something that you typically think that really helped you my focus is always on like do the small things the small steps i like the way i say it is like i talked about the leggings earlier right like i didn't find out i was trans one day and to take the hormones the next day right the next day i went and i had one singular singular conversation about being trans and then the day after that i wore one clothing item and then it's just over time right um, it took me a year to even work up to taking the pill. And then a year after that to get to like implants and, and other changes, right? So for somebody who's still way back at that, at that first stage of, I don't know what's going on, take small steps, do small experiments. That's what I called it for the first like six months is, oh, it's just a big old experiment. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and yeah, it's, it's just about collect the small goals. And eventually you look back and you're like, oh, I, I did it. I'm here. Wow. That makes a lot of sense. Did, did you ever waver being like, ah, you know, I'm not sure if I want to keep going down this path or 
It's a big responsibility. When somebody is, you know, has stayed up to 2 a.m. and they've, you know, smoked a little bit of weed, they, you know, tend to have thoughts that, you know, maybe this is all just too much. And then I wake up the next morning and I'm like, no, like, this is who I am. This is Mm. exactly who I am. Right. And it's, it's the waking up every morning that reinforces me, right? The waking up every morning, looking in the mirror and saying, this is exactly where I want it to be. And this is exactly where I want to be going. Right. Everybody's going to have doubts and it doesn't make you any less trans to, to have doubts about it. The fact of the matter is, are you asking the questions? And when you answer those questions for yourself, how does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. And if the conclusion you come to is that you're trans, voila, you did it. Take it day by day. Yeah, day by day. It's it's a slow, long process. And even now I'm struggling with, with you know, not seeing instant results with certain things, right? It's really like you're going to get a year in and you're not going to even realize that you have so much left to change and so much longer to go. It's interesting because I remember during watching the show and getting back to the Queer Eye uh, segment that we saw, one of the guys was saying, you know, it's not about coming out. It's about letting people in. That was so moving to me as well. Like, what do you think about that statement? It's become one of my mantras. It's something that I bring up all the time. It's, It's so important that we frame our lives from a personal standpoint, right? Like, we're, we're so focused on, like, uh, we have to present ourselves to the world, when in reality, it's about bringing the world into you, right? Giving the world permission to see you for who you are and to accept you and to validate you, right? It goes into conversations like, oh, if you mess up, it's okay, as long as you correct yourself. Because the moment you correct yourself, you validate me, because you see that you messed up and you correct, right? That's a validation. You're not hurting my feelings you're validating me right and it all goes back into i'm inviting you anybody to to come to me and to to learn more and so and let me teach you and in return you'll also teach me about yourself it's a beautiful thing you that applies see, to everyone cam did you see why everyone. i hunted her down in the parking lot do you see? i think that's that, that sounds like a cam's upper situation oh god don't even go there <laughs> we have a segment of the week where i share something near and dear to my heart that my mother is typically she, oh, she's bored by, oh, that was but, this is, she, but surprise, she's never really bored by it. And I think this is, I a, just this got is a meaningful some shit. It, it is beautiful. <laughs> we'll remember this as well. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. It's, it's, it's the, the single most thing that I can say that I took away from the episode is the idea that we have to navigate the world from our own point of view and not be so focused on everybody else. Yeah. Well, totally. that's our manifestos. We give little shits or is it any shits? We give no, no fucks. Shits. No fucks, no shits, no nothing. Nah. We have a bunch more questions for you, but I want to let our listeners in. And we do this by, uh, by texting our sneaky freaks. You sneaky freak <laughs> listeners, you can, you can uh, text us at 310-356-3920. That's our text number. That's our text number. You can give us a text. We'll send you a weekly uh, question. Angel, we'll give you the the phone number later. You could you could tune out in, Angel. (laughs) We 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 text every week. Well, actually, Cam does the texting, but we collaborate and come up with the questions. So this this week we said, "Hey, happy Monday, freaky fam." We'll be speaking with Angel Flores this week. She's a queer eye hero, trans woman, powerlifting champion, and Olympic weightlifting coach. Do you have a question for her? And we got a bunch of questions. Some of them are sweet. Some of them are, are fucking raunchy, and we're going to skewer you. Um, <laughs> so is, are you ready to dive in? 
Let's do it. I'm here. Okay. You want a sweet or salty? Uh, let's we'll, we'll start, start easy. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so Megan says, I loved her episode. So Megan is already a fan. We never even got to the fact that she ended up going on to uh, an episode. What do you mean? Well, when she said like, I, she, Netflix called and I, I like, well, wait, we got to start at the beginning. So I kind of, we didn't even get to what it was like being on the show. But anyway, Megan loved it. Okay. <laughs> you, you, everyone can watch it on, on Netflix. It's called Queer Eye Season 6. Episode episode two. two. Okay, check it out. Megan goes on to ask, "What is your best tip for someone that is starting to weightlift and feeling intimidated by the gym?" Oh, it's going to be the same tip that I give everybody else. But it's so when it comes to weightlifting in general, you have to focus on technique and don't get so caught up in the in the numbers. Like, take videos of yourself and pay attention more to how you move and how and how you guide yourself through that movement um it's so much more important than than trying to to aim for big weights or trying to work the hardest over time if you just get good at the movement initially over time you're gonna get stronger you're gonna get better and you're just gonna improve period Hmm. um the more time you spend with it that's that's time equals improvement whether it's in technique or strength or anything else and beyond that start small build up like 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 other stuff build up, do the like small a, things. Like what you were saying step. before about, you know, just take one step at a time and make it small, yeah. small goals. Exactly. How do you, how, exactly. what, just this is out of personal interest, how do you learn the, the movements initially? I would say number one thing is either do a royal fuck ton of research or get a coach. It's so important that you have either a, a, basis to work off of, whether it be a coach online or content creator online who can give you that information or an eye on your body, a coach who's looking at you, is watching you. I'd say for most people, at least do like two weeks of coaching. Mm. Like dude, yeah, you gotta pay, be crazy. For... Can you imagine me going in the gym? Like, let me, let me lift up some weights. Literally, the thing would fall, like, fall on my face and, and damage me for life. People do that all the time. And it's just like if people get to they'll come in and not know what they're doing and then they get intimidated and they have to leave. And that's the case for a lot of trans people is that they'll walk in and they'll think that they know what they're doing and they still struggle, especially after mm-hmm. hormones. So do at least two weeks, like five sessions, get to know somebody, have them look over the fundamentals, of how you move and then do what you will, um, whether it be normal three days a week training or elite athletics. Okay. We had a question from Cassie who says, I love Angel, another fan of yours. Uh, I began following her on Instagram after I saw the episode on Queer Eye. She is one of my inspirations for starting weight training myself. Wow, you influence a lot of people there, Angel. Jeez. <laughs> Can you ask her what she did to keep the positive momentum after the Queer Eye crew left? It seems like having all that energy around for a week and then everyone packing up and leaving would feel very empty at first. So can you first start st- start with like a quick synopsis of what it was like working with the Queer Eye people? Yeah. Um, so for filming itself, it was about like a, a, a week-long affair with two extra film days uh, separately from that week. But they really do get the entire Queer Eye episode done in that week. They picked me up on Tuesday. I was done by Friday. So I'm surrounded by dozens of people who were at my every whim <laughs> for an entire week who were talking me up for the entire week producers who were like 
basically still dating me at this point, like flirting with me almost on set. Like It, it oh is incredible because Cam and I had this experience on two different times. One was Tosh.0 and the other one was uh, Megyn Kelly on the morning, Good Morning America or whatever. And I thought, oh, these people love me so much, you know, and afterwards we're going to go and hang out and everything. And as soon as the thing is done, Megyn Kelly's like, okay, see ya. And it was like, what? We're not going to be friends yeah. anymore? It's just like, it's and just. And then you're like, what do I do? Ghosted, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Is, is yeah, that what it so, felt like? Oh, absolutely. Like the week after I was like, what, what do I do now? I have all this stuff now. What, what yeah, do I do? <laughs> they, they redecorate your whole place. They, they, mm-hmm. they give you a, a little makeover, haircut, beauty stuff. A, a whole wardrobe change. Did you have a favorite person? Oh, well, that's that. I'll, I'll get to that, get to that in a second here because I'm about to talk about the, the one thing that saved the entire experience for me. Because after that week, I was truly like, I don't know what I'm going to do for the next eight months. I don't know when this episode's going to release. And Jonathan JVN ended up messaging me like a month later, I think, maybe. Basically Jonathan saying, Van hey, Ness. yep, Jonathan Van Ness. And essentially saying, hey, my trainer can no longer be here in Austin with me. I need a local trainer who can help me prepare for my gymnastics routines. And I was like, well, I know (laughs) a girl that does that. (laughs) And it's been weekly with me and Jonathan for the past eight months, I think. Eight months. I'm seeing seeing JVN like as much as five times a week. Um, oh, oh if, my God. if not more than that, Damn. I, I have this amazing privilege to be able to spend my time with somebody who not only relates so strongly to me, but has so much wisdom from their just years of doing this. Right. <laughs> if, if you're anything like me, when I'm, when I'm being um, trained by my Pilates instructor, it's mostly me talking nonstop. Oh. It's, it's just... Absolutely. <laughs> That's exactly how it is. We will not shut up when we're with each other. Oh, it's adorable. It's such a How personal... lucky that you could keep this, it's keeping the momentum going. Oh, what a I'm role model for you too, right? Absolutely. And Jonathan was the one that I latched on to the most during the episode. No, no shade to the other, to the other four. I, I loved y'all, but me and Jonathan spent like nine hours in that salon together. Oh, um, damn. So it was really just us just stuck together. I really wish they could just cut like, uh, like a 45 minute long episode of just me and Jonathan talking because <laughs> <Wow. laughs> we said so much, like it was just such a wonderful conversation in there. It, oh. it was what we call in Yiddish, which is Jewish language. It was called a shidduch or a marriage or <laughs> something fate brought <laughs> together. Yeah. Most, it was like, it literally felt like we had just, we were, we've been, we've been friends the whole time. Like that's, that's what it felt like. It just, we related to each other. And you might've been in a prior life. Everything. Maybe. I mean, I, I would not doubt it the way that, uh, the way that our souls just seem to just mesh. <laughs> and, and you didn't really speak about your dad and I, I would definitely want to get to that. Do you have a question? Of course. That? Uh, I, there were no questions that came up, but I, I definitely, did you, you can go if you have a question. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's the part that really got me all, um, I just, it was so moved when your dad came, cause I guess you hadn't spoken to your dad for about a year or so. Yep, it was about a year. Like it was a really long year. <laughs> Prior to that, the last conversation you had with him, what was that like? The last conversation we had had face to face was my conversation, essentially telling him that I was going to start hormones the next day. Um, oh, shit. And it was essentially like Did, I texted wait, my wait. mom and I. 
you you had talked to your mom first or your dad were they together or how did my mom had known for a while that i was going to do it i was all set i literally my very first doctor's appointment i walked in the doctor saw me the psychiatrist saw me and they were both like we're going to give you the prescription today if you want (laughs) and so i waited on it for a good six months because i wasn't ready to have that conversation with my parents Within a month of that first appointment, I had spoken to my mom and said, like, look, like this is going to happen whether or not you like it. And she was she's been the one that initially did the most work. Like she she figured out what she needed to figure out and she jumped right in. And she was like, whatever you need, I'm here for and, my dad. And your mom is was, Filipino. Is she, was yes. she from the Philippines? I mean, or, um, or was she born in the Philippines? Her dad is, is from the Philippines. So, I mean, you're talking about cultures that don't readily accept even being bisexual, right? I mean, I mean, you'd be surprised how accepting the Filipino culture is, especially American Filipino culture. I wouldn't so be I surprised because I happen what... to love them. I don't know why I've bonded with them, but <laughs> go on. But like it, it was surprisingly, she was the one that just jumped up. Right, at, she did. She did her time figuring it out, and that was it. She used my name early on. She she was using my pronouns early on. It was my dad that I always just had the fear, and and rightfully so because. The previous conversations we had had about me possibly transitioning had always been negative. That's what I'm getting at. So like the first conversation you had with him, you, you just went and said, I'm thinking of transitioning. And he was like, what? I mean, I hadn't even said the said anything about the hormones or anything. It was just that very first day that I put I put my first outfit on and I went to Austin Pride and I sent him, I sent my parents picture. And I was like, by the way, I want you all to know that this is happening before anybody else knows that this is happening. And we had a long talk and Essentially, the, the conclusion was, we don't know what you're doing, but you're going to figure it out. <laughs> and, and, and rightfully so, because they just had they were so taken aback by just the sudden switch. Because like we had talked about earlier, I've always been the athlete. I've always been hypermasculine. I've always been just like me. And fundamentally enough, I'm still mostly that way, just in a slightly different body. And so to get back to my original point, that last conversation with my dad where essentially I had to sit there and say, you know what? I'm not listening to you anymore. Hmm. Um, that was the big fear. Damn. Um, and honestly, his position was very much out of fear and I don't blame him for it at all. Cause the first questions he asked were, are you going to be okay walking around in public? Are you, are you going to get a job? How are you going to support yourself? How, what is your future going to look like? Right. And, you know, I was angry for a little bit, but thinking back now, it's always been, he just cares. And that fear of life changing for, for his child, the son that he raised, um, life changing so drastically for them. I can understand what that feels like, especially like from the perspective of a child looking up at their father. And ultimately, I think that's what brought us back around full circle is that he saw that he didn't need to be scared anymore. Wow. Mm. Oh, I got more goosebumps yeah i mean that <laughs> that part of the episode where you they bring you guys together is so powerful and what mm-hmm. did it feel manufactured because it was on camera and they they or i mean it looks so natural and organic that it didn't it, i right. mean it's hard to make like those tears through that? flow like that every second of that episode was genuine period mm. like, which is so unusual for reality authentic. tv it's the opposite of what yes. you you know cam was on reality tv Would i you, was on america's got talent not, oh, yeah. You don't want to I talk mean, about him <laughs> spitting in each other's mouth. I don't it, know if you knew that. Yeah, we were on for like three minutes <laughs> spitting into each other's mouths. It was not a, uh, not the exact same moving. Before it was moving COVID, in a different thank way. God. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I I'm mean, sure it was did, impressive regardless. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It did seem very <laughs> genuine though when, when we were watching it. And I, I, that, it makes sense that they'd be nominated for Emmys because like 
they create these amazing moments. Well, when your dad walked in, oh, and, yeah. uh, and well, we had gotten a little preview. Well, I don't want to blow it for the whole anybody who's not seen. A spoiler alert: when her dad walked in, it it just you can't make that up. That that it was genuine. Like just you could see the love he had for you, and 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 like you said, I think also the the comfort that you're going to be okay because mm-hmm. the way you presented That's, I, yourself. Yeah, and that's what I told, I've been telling everybody is that it was so authentic that if I had looked at Karamo in that moment and said, I don't want to see him, it, it wouldn't have happened. Like, mm. it, like he would have been, he would have been told to leave and that would be it. I hadn't really watched the season. I only watched prior seasons when Carson was on. So I have never watched, and this, this troupe, I think more than oh, one. Oh, like, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Just a couple episodes, that's it. So when you went through that experience, I mean, what, what did it feel like for you to, to reunite with him? Oh, it was, it, it's like everything came full circle. Definitely just, I felt the hole in my life for that first year very much. It was, it's, it's funny because when we're apart, I'm horrible at texting, communicating. And when we're apart, it's always just kind of been like, we'll talk when we talk. But I think it was just the idea of, I can't reach out, period. That had always, that was just like, bugging me throughout that entire year what would have happened like, what would have happened if you had reached out would he have hung up on you or i don't know i think we were i was just scared and he was most definitely scared as well he looked at me and he said i'm not sure if we can talk for 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 a little while in in that last conversation oh, um, it breaks my heart so and you know what it was it broke my heart too and to have him come back and say you know what i did the work and you know what to hear from my from my own mom that he had been doing the work mm. that there there were other family members that were like talking shit about me and that he was coming back and defending me hmm. right it kept my faith that I was always going to be his kid and it just it's going to take him some time and ultimately that's what it needed is just time and i think one of the reasons why he was able to to come around is cuz i mean you were you're very patient and you're very compassionate uh, to you know, because I can imagine someone in in the same circumstance being like, "Fuck this person!" Like, if they don't want to accept me, they're out of my life. Or you know, so yeah, you it's would kind probably of a be like that for me. In this situation. Well, what if I had said I wouldn't accept you? <laughs> You'd be gone. <laughs> I'd be gone. No, no, no. You there would be <laughs> compassion. Anyway, yeah. I mean, it, it it's a it's a beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. Thank you, thank you for that. And. I, I, I just, I kept, re- I keep reinforcing the people that there was never a moment that I doubted that he would come around. Mm. Um, I know that that's, that's a privilege that I, that a lot of people like me don't have that they, their parents leave and they're gone. But for me, it was always a matter of when as mm. opposed to if. Which is different. We, we interviewed um, a porn star named Jesse Dubai and mm-hmm. she, I believe it was a long time ago, several years ago, and I can't remember shit, but I believe she told her dad, and the dad beat her up. Do you Jesus. remember that? Yeah, that uh, it was a wild story, and I can't remember if they came together at the end of it. Now they did come to they did come back together, um, but he, I think and he ended up coming out as gay. The father came out as right, gay. Right, 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 right. But it it just it, it, it is yeah, it's so wrapped up and. Can you imagine beating your child up because they said that they you know didn't fit in their own skin? I certainly can't. I'm sure somebody else can. But this again was several years ago when, it, and, mm-hmm. it, and again it was a um, Latino uh, community, which is very, you know, I would say very prejudiced against any of this. Well, you, by the way, I'm, I'm also my dad was from Argentina, and we 
Very macho. Latin. So I know that, uh, yeah, I know that machismo as well. I could imagine in my family, it would be a very challenging thing to... I remember we were driving in a car somewhere. It was you and your brother in the back seat and me and dad in the front seat. And for whatever reason, someone was talking about something and, and your father turns and says, you know, uh, if either of you, you know, identified as being gay, I'd be accepting of it. And your brother goes... I'm not going to turn gay. I mean, it was just like he was such a little boy at the time to say that. He was like <laughs> 10 years old or something. Oh, my God. But it's like even <laughs> young kids know the stigma that, that is attached to it. And parental acceptance, they know that, you know, if the parent is going to be more open to it or not open to it. Yeah, and, and definitely for, for me going into college, it was very much a question of I was – more or less supposed to be like the the, the the big like star of the of the family right not the big star but like i'm going to the university of texas i'm still playing sports i'm getting good grades i'm gonna go get a big degree and so for my extended family especially i i know it was one hell of a switch to go from like oh he's in college doing big things to oh she's still in college doing big things but she you know mm. um and I know that machismo culture is still something that is being contended with both from me and from other family members within my family. Hmm. Oh, we had some questions about sex. We did. We're, we're coming towards the end, but we obviously <laughs> have to include one question about sex. We, we had one um, from Jay, which was, how has your sex life changed as you've transitioned? So, um, big reduction. Big reduction. Oh, reduction. No, pro like, production like, or reduction? Reduction. Oh. And like just like period, like sex life period. I don't like testosterone going from 700 units to uh, 12 is definitely a huge jump. Wow. <laughs> and it definitely has some really distinct effects, both like fatigue and another things, stress. And then my sex drive is just like poof sometimes. Like it's just not there. So what do you do in those situations if, you know, you or your partner want to have sex, but it's just the drive is not there? We're still kind of working through it, to be completely honest, because I know it's something that I need to work, work on personally. I try and give her as much intimacy as, as possible, right? And in that moment, even if I can't work myself up to, like, having a full-on, like, sex, it's very much... I, I'll sit and I'll cuddle and I'll I like I whatever I can do in this moment to make you feel love. That's mm. that's what I'm trying to do. You could do right? what I always um, recommend, which is give a massage. Big one right there. Um, <laughs> I mean, massage. I, honestly, for for Gopi, it's really big on like like quality time. Like sure. she needs me there. She needs me present. And I, I think we've gotten to a point in the relationship where she can understand that I'm just not going to be there all the time, like sex drive wise. And that sometimes I just need a moment. Interesting. It may level out too once you adjust completely to all the hormone changes. So we're actually, just to cover a quick problem that I'm having, um, my body is taking not some, but all of my testosterone and converting it to estrogen, which is one of the reasons why my sex drive is just non-existent sure. because there's some times that my testosterone is just non-existent. It comes with other symptoms like nausea, fatigue, bone density loss, other other kind of fucked up shit. Um, Welcome to my post-menopausal world. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel a little bit of that pain <laughs> um, occasionally. And we're, we're working to fix it. But I do notice that like when the testosterone starts to balance out, things start to balance out. So hopefully at some point I'll get to a point where I feel level 
with that kind of stuff. When we, we had Buck Angel on the show. Who was also a, a um, porn star who was the first mm. first female who t- was a female or just person in general to take hormone replacement or to change. Oh, I think he was maybe the first person in general to take hormone replacement. It was like is, super. Yeah, he's yeah. he's like almost my age. I think he's ancient. <laughs> he's ancient, but he's, he's a big. He, he does call himself the Trampa. <laughs> and he looks like I know Trampa. Oh, you know I Trampa. Trampa. Of course. <laughs> That's like I was like, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, we gotta so, introduce you to Trampa. He's awesome. So he was talking about D H E A, is that what it's called? Or like there's a Yes. So yes. have you messed with that or, at all or no? I think D H E A is one of the chemical I, I think chemicals that gets that gets fucked around with to kind of help that. I'm taking a supplement called D I M which is found naturally in like broccoli and cauliflower and other stuff. Oh. I just need to take a fuck ton of it um, uh. to see the results that I need to see, to see the results that I need to see. Or take a certain type of weed that's really good for sex. <laughs> I would love that as well. <laughs> There's a lot of good weed out there. We've done this, We've done a lot of TikTok videos about this. I need to expand my collection, honestly. <laughs> you need to expand and I guarantee you will see some big changes. <laughs> Have, massage and weed have you um have you, <laughs> you found heard it here that the, have you found that the type of sex actually changes like or more acts more intriguing to you now than they were before you or? still have all your oh, parts absolutely. you did you not remove yep. okay nope i am i am still non non-op i'm still non-surgery i'm still all here it I just gives you more because it, it's just like a switch it gives you What's more things it gives you more things to play with Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> I actually find a lot of pride in my body. I like I never really felt like dysphoria regarding any kind of surgical procedures or anything. So I'm kind of here and I'm comfortable. To answer your question, yes. And really it was kind of disconnecting performance from sex. Mm-hmm. Um, because I as like before transition, still identifying as a boy, I wasn't having sex to feel good. I was having sex to perform because it it the act of sex wasn't pleasurable for me. I didn't get euphoria out of it. It was more pleasurable to know that my partner was 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 feeling good, right? Sounds like um, someone and I so, know. <laughs> to to switch gears entirely and to think about sex more of like I want to feel good. She wants to feel good. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important thing. It's not about it's not about performing in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, it really just changed everything about the act. And also my girlfriend herself started touching me and treating me more like a girl. Mm-hmm. You know, like focusing on like grabbing my waist or doing other small things where it's not she's not focusing on very masculine uh erogenous areas. She's experimenting and she's finding new ways to to make me feel good. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, beautiful. I, I I really haven't had the chance to talk about that yet. So thank you for giving me the. Oh, the well, any other? That. Of course. We'll <laughs> dig in deeper. We got more questions where that came from. We <laughs> unfortunately have to wrap it up. Oh, um, we're ending on a high note. We got to end on a high note. Um, <laughs> do, if people want to find you, what do you want to share with them? <laughs> if you want to find me, just go to my Instagram. It's at Archangel Joy. And that's basically it. You can find everything you need from me through those links through my bio or down in the feed. So Archangels, A-R-K-A-N-G-E-L-J-O-Y. Okay. Yep. And uh, if they want to if they want to watch that Queer Eye episode, it's season six, episode two. I highly recommend you Sneaky Freaks to watch that episode. It is beautiful. You have been an absolute Absolutely. joy to talk to. Yeah, you're a sweetheart. 
Thank you so much for <laughs> taking so the much. time. You were not intimidated by my mother when Excuse she came me. bulldozing. <laughs> I, I, I'm so grateful for that. And you were an absolute delight to talk to. So thank you so much for coming on. No, thank, thank you all you, so much. This is, this is a great conversation. Okay. Do you want to sing about Moot? And let me, t- this, I do this every time. And let me tell you about the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees and weightlifting and hoping you don't crush yourself. All right. <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in. We, a big, we love th- you. A big thank you to our, all of our Patreon members for making this show possible. If you'd like to support the show, please go to patreon.com slash sex talk with my mom. We really appreciate any ratings and reviews that you can share wherever you're listening to this. Yes. And, and you go to RachelsPodcast.com slash mom slash mom again and write a review. And lastly, I want to thank Bob B, our patron sneaky freak, Big Papa Bob B for making this episode possible. You rock. Uh, and thank you all. Love you. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.